What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. So we want to welcome everybody to this this episode of the Niche Finder podcast. Today, we are privileged to have Betty Jean. She is a licensed professional counselor in the state of New Jersey. She's someone that I've known for many years, and I have admired how much growth that she has had in her space of counseling. I can say in summary, in her long list of things that she has accomplished, which I'll let her basically give um, voice to it, uh, I can tell you is one thing that I see that's a, a theme within all of this, which is service. Uh, she definitely has a heart of a servant. She's expressing it through these different vehicles that she now currently oversees in the director and leadership position she has within the state of New Jersey and over a counseling center that's operated within the state, state of New Jersey and doing a great work in that in that garden state. And so without further ado, I want to make our guest for today welcome by introducing us to the Niche Finder Framework. Welcome to the stage or welcome to the podcast, rather. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited. It's been a while since we connected. But I feel like it's, we just picked up exactly where we left off and you, many you know years what? ago. And it's so interesting because the first thing that came to mind as I'm thinking about you is welcome to the stage. Because remember when we used to do the shows together. Yes! And, you, <laughs> and, you, like, and you would get up yes! there and start singing. But, um, whatever, whatever you want to song, dance, tap my head, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and so thank you so much for being all here tell us tell the audience why they would have a vested interest in your journey why would you have a vested interest in my journey um i don't think my journey is typical um i, I i've always seen my life is just not typical you know i'm a 46 year old single female professional um all of which um is nothing that i plan for you know, I know they tell kids a lot of times dream big and, you know, go after your dreams. And but my life was just not that typical. Um, it, there were some common themes, but I could say that many of the things that I discovered al- along the way, um, I, ju- I did just that. I discovered it along the way. Um, but I had a central theme that directed me. So, yeah, I, I think there's a niche in that. Um, 
um, sometimes, you know, it all, it doesn't always come together at the front end. And sometimes that can be frustrating for those who need a clear game plan or need to see exactly where they're going. But I don't think that's the same for everyone. It wasn't like that for me. I don't know if that, that, that makes sense. Like my, my life has never been exactly the way that I wanted it. I really had to kind of work backwards to find my niche where it is now. Okay. So I see the space that you're operating in right now. Uh, you're in the counseling arena. Tell us a little bit about the position that you hold and what you're doing. Yeah. Right now, I am um, director of call center services um, at the Mental Health Association in New Jersey, meaning that I oversee um, an entire call center that um, provides uh, emotional and mental health support to those seeking that level of support, those looking for um, counseling services, therapists, psychiatrists. Um, it is aligned for people who um, it's kind of a gateway into the mental health services field within the state of New Jersey. Um, I have a staff of about 40 people that answer lines. And as you can imagine right now, everyone's answering remotely because of the pandemic. Um, and actually um, in March, um, um, this, we, we are the state's COVID emotional support line, meaning wow. all throughout COVID, we were the ones, um, handling phone calls, handling, providing support. Um, if you could imagine to everyone in the state who just couldn't, um, get services face to face, um, we were the ones providing that emotional support. We were the ones helping people through just devastation after devastation, loss after loss, um, helping people just to um identify coping skills during the mm. um, pandemic season people are in extreme distress so my job was to support my staff who are answering these calls all day um so that's the level of work that we do and essentially we're information and referral line um um, providing psychoeducation as well because many people don't really know what mental health services are what mm. it is they don't know much about who all these professionals are there's lots of people with all types of letters behind their name but we really don't know right. what they do right. so my staff takes the time to explain that to people and they also take the time to, to walk people through what um, um, counseling services look like um, mm. it's, it's not like going to the doctor and getting a shot or getting pills and then you're better. Um, it's different. So people really need to be empowered um, and, and so that they could be an advocate for themselves within the counseling field. So that's really um, my role is to um, equip our staff so that they can empower um, New Jerseyans calling the line. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's at the time of this recording, I remember just uh, all, I, over the weekend, actually, I heard that there were over 200 uh, over 200 shootings that have had taken place this year alone. Um, whereas yeah. in 2020, there were a lot less, um, the people are under a lot of stress being, uh, dealing with, uh, obviously a pandemic that, uh, has, uh, although the, the, the things seems to be slowing and seems slowly seem to be coming back, uh, or returning back to what we used to call normal. Mm -hmm. Um, there is still a lot of weight that I feel people have pent up inside of them. And so somebody oh. in your space, I can only imagine uh, how challenging it is, but at the same time, the reward that comes from something like that must be pretty tremendous you know the, you feel the reward after each call mm. um and it, it it really does require you know in our field 
um, it's not a one size fits all approach in counseling. Um, every caller, every client, every patient, it, depending on what you call them, they're all different. Um, and we love hearing the success stories, but there's also times where we really can't provide that level of support to people mm. where people do, um, people do may leave us just still feeling overwhelmed because the challenges before them are just so great. Mm -hmm. Um, um, but I think the key is, is that we're always present. We're always there. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's what I really love about what I do. Um, as a licensed counselor is, is my job is to be present Mm -hmm. in the session room. That's my role to be present. Um, Mm -hmm. and if there's nothing else I could do, that's the most important thing to ever do for anyone is to be present. Um, wow. and I think our line represents that we're just present, whatever you need us to be at that moment, at that time mm. we're present. Um, and as a professional, that's, that's just overall the theme of my life, just being present mm. for people. What do you consider your niche? <sighs> I think in the same vein of being present, um, just, I, I know it sounds boring maybe mm. because people use say it a lot. Um, but my niche is really helping people. Mm. My niche is, um, and it's one thing to help people, um, and just kind of scurry around trying to find things to do to help them. Mm. Um, but I think the help that I'm talking about is, um, always ready to walk alongside of people, yeah. um, being aware of people, um, and using whatever I have to help them, um, whatever I have that's in my ability that can be useful to make it useful for others, um, Mm. to move people from one space to another space, preferably Mm. an unhealthy space to a healthier space, to a, a place of lack, to a place of more, a more abundant space. Mm. So I, I I find so much joy, Mm. um, in seeing people move from one level to a higher level um Mm. it doesn't even need to be higher just any movement i think is progress so that that brings me so much joy i think i think that's the greatest passion of my life to see people grow to see them move to see them expand and any way that i could help with that um i i love that so hence my you know my role as a counselor right now i get to see that all the time and just mm. watch people grow and expand. And then I have the awesome opportunity, the awesome privilege to be able to um, note that and kind of say, did you see the change? Did you mm. see that growth? Wow. Did you see last week how you thought this way and this week you saw this way? And I get to be in this incubated space with people wow. and kind of point out these things, you know, and reframe things and help people see, um, see their lives, see their situations in a whole different way. Um, and the only people who know about it is me and my client. Mm. <laughs> Well, you know what? What I find so interesting, um, 
just what you what you mentioned. I, I actually I, I love quotes, right? And so um, I, I'm always like really tuned into either people what they say or what I read. And just randomly yesterday, I was at a theme park with my family, and this guy walked by me and a T-shirt on that said, uh, "Don't just go through life, grow through life." Mm. And I was like, "Oh, that's powerful." I I wanted to go over oh. and thank him. <laughs> yes. I, want, I want to thank him for walking by me that, that yeah. moment. But <laughs> it is you, so true. You grew in that moment. Yeah, because he grew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he watered me just a little bit, just with yes. that, that moment. <laughs> yes. But 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 here it is. A thing I love about uh, counselors and 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 people who are in the space that you're in is that we often come to you because I even when I go and speak to someone um, uh, for whatever things that I'm going through, I find that you know we may deal with issues that are. Um, trying to use a hammer to drive a screw, right? And 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 you you just tell us, you know, counselors would just tell us, here, there's something called a screwdriver. You can use this to better do the job that you try to accomplish. Yeah. And so, and so you know, you may not be there in the moment where they pull out the screwdriver, but you at least place it in their tool pan. Absolutely, absolutely. Because the thing about when people are stressed, it's very hard to see what's right in front of you. Yeah. You know, so in a way you, you think that my job as a counselor is pretty easy because I, I just get to just kind of point out the obvious, yeah. but it's, it's not about even pointing out or giving them the screwdriver. Mm. Um, it's about walking them through. Um, it's not about them. Hmm, it's not about me giving them the screwdriver in as much as it as um, it's about me um Helping them to see that there are options, there are yeah. other ways to seeing it, mm. and to open them up because they there, there could there could be a screwdriver, there could be a hammer, there could be a axe, there could be many things in front of them. I could point out one, but it's not the pointing out that's important. It's the fact that I want them to be able to expand their perspective about mm. whatever situation, right? Mm. Not to limit us, you know. And sometimes people that are um, in distress, people that might have a mental health illness like depression or anxiety they could get very narrow and it's not yeah. only for people with illnesses i mean anybody I, sometimes i go through that where a situation may be so overwhelming it seems to be so much out of my capacity and i'm so narrowed in my in my view that i fail to see you know maybe the resources or the other opportunities or the other support that is around me uh, and as a counselor i get to kind of say hey can we step back and look at this whole picture mm. and not just this one little piece of it? Um, mm. And in doing that, I'm teaching my clients to do that when I'm not there. Mm. When I'm not around, when you don't have a counselor, I want you to step back and look at the full picture. And in doing so, you really do retrain your brain um, to get a better handle on whatever crises, whatever overwhelming situation that is before you. That's that's what I do. I don't want mm. you to come to me all the time and say, help me locate, help me, help me figure it out. No, I want you to learn how to do it. And so in counseling, most counselors will just help you look, help you practice that. Like I said, the counseling room is like a, is like a laboratory. It's like an incubating space, mm. an opportunity for you to develop in some different, some different areas. And then you use those same skills in your everyday life in different situations and you just watch what happens in therapy i mean in terms of the growth and the change happening in therapy you could you could actually make that happen for yourself in mm. your day-to-day -day life outside of therapy mm. that's success that's a win that's that's growth mm.
Love it. Mm -hmm. What type of external struggles did you find yourself up against as you started your journey into counseling? Hmm. Uh, external. Um, there was a, there was a couple. Um, one, one, I, 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 I don't know if this will answer the question any, but I, I don't. Counseling found me. Mm. Um, I was on my way to, you know, my whole desire as a child. I always wanted to be in medicine. Mm. I always wanted to be a doctor. I wanted always wanted to be a physician. I always wanted to work with women um, and children. I wanted mm. to be OBGYN. That was mm-hmm. my thing. Um, college, I struggled a little bit, as most, you know, kids coming from an urban area. Mm-hmm. You, did, you did well in the urban setting, but when you get into these college settings, you struggle. Mm. Um, so I struggled a lot. Um, I graduated. I, I, I landed a job um, doing similar work as a health inspector um, for two local towns. Um, And, but my goal was always to go to medical school. And I remember filling out my applications for medical school. And while I'm, um, while I'm applying, I get this phone call from this counseling program that was just Mm. starting. Mm. Um, It was a, it was a Christian counseling program. Mm. Um, It was just starting out. Um, and at the time I was my church secretary mm. and, um, they said, Hey, you know, would you promote this in, you know, your church bulletin, yada, yada, yada. Mm. And I said, sure. I could think of a few people and the person, this lady's talking to me and she just says, you sound like you would be a great candidate for our program. <laughs> and I'm like, mm. mind you, I'm on the floor in my bedroom, filling out applications for, for med school Mm. and she's talking to me and she ends the call by praying for me wow the weirdest call i've ever gotten in my life and Mm. um and i don't want to say the rest is history because there was a whole lot in between that but um two years later i was in a counseling program wow um and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, because what happened in my counseling program is that um, I didn't know much about counseling. There was, it was nothing ever that I wanted to do. Mm. Um, it, it, it wasn't medicine, so it didn't make sense to me. Um, but from the minute I started my first class, and because I am a person of faith, um, this integration of my faith and and a study of my who me my mind it just it just drew me in wow it drew me in um and i have to say that part of my work has to do with the work that i've done on myself Mm. yeah yeah, part of the work. So I, I, I tell people all the time, I paid forty, fifty thousand dollars um, for therapy for two or three years. Wow! To learn on myself how to do healing, how to bring emotional healing to others. Wow! So I had to go through or begin rather um, the work of really digging up some things that I never even knew existed. Mm. Um, and if I didn't, if that process didn't happen, if I did not allow, um, my, my learning to do that for me, I don't think I would be where I am today. And I do think that it's very providential in terms of the hand of God, just really wanting to, Mm. um, Mm -hmm. move me in a specific direction, um, that my heart just started to move towards my view of helping people just began to expand rather. 
That, I mm. guess that's what happened. My view of helping people begin to expand through my counseling studies. And I realized that, you know, medicine is not only the, the only way that I, that people get help. Um, mm. and I, and, and now, you know, 15 years into my profession as a counselor, um, I tell P I'd say to people, give me, give me mental health over physical health any day, mm. <laughs> you know, give me mm. mental health over physical health, meaning you wow. can be physically fit. And if your mind's not right, yeah, it's a yeah. wash. Everything wow. else is a wash. You could have thousands of dollars in a bank. If your mind is not healthy, if emotionally you're not healthy, mm. it doesn't mean anything. You, you'll be the poorest person ever. Um, mm. So I find myself on this other side of health. Um, and it's so liberating because I'm not confined to what everyone views as the epitome of health. You know, physical health is important because if, if you can't move, you can't do certain things. But there's something about the emotional um, hell that we go through, something that you can't even see that holds you back so strongly. Mm. That that just day, every day, it just blows my mind to mm. the extent that our mind, um, it really is an important tool it's 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 critical um so yes i don't know if that answers the question but that's how i got into the field and um it just my expanded view of health my expanded view of how i can help people it happened when i came into this field and i i I, i've settled in it because i i have i can see the level of impact i can have on people Mm. um so yeah Yes. You know, I want I want to take a moment right now to do a call to action. Normally, we do this at the very end of the show, but um, for those people who are listening right now, and and what you're saying is um, actually resonating with them, it, do you have the number that they could call if they want to write it down now? So this way, we're not waiting to the end of the episode for those people who may be struggling. Yeah, yeah. The number is one eight six six two zero two help. Um, it's one eight six six two zero two four three five seven. That's New Jersey Mental Health Cares. If you need someone to speak to someone to just to begin to orient you and help you locate um, services that you need or at least just to kind of figure out where you are um, in your own headspace and where you are in your situation where you should go where you can go um, our staff are there waiting to speak to you um, our staff are just all mental health professionals um, so you're not speaking to volunteers you're not speaking to lay people you're speaking to people who are in the field and who really do understand what you're going through and a lot of what I'm saying they'll communicate the same to you so it's one 202 help or one 202 and this is insurance and and um is accepted with that is that how it works well, yeah it's 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 a free service our All line right. is a free service um mm. if you do have insurance we can help you locate direct you how to locate services with your insurance plan and if you don't we have listings of medicaid services or state funded insurance plans throughout the state Mm -hmm. we have a statewide database of those services and can help you locate what's available in your community or in your area 
difference. So are you guys like an intake and then when and then after you make that initial contact, you then refer them to some other or they do or do they call you back if they want to? No, they could call us back. We are separate from these providers, providers okay. throughout the state. So we just provide referrals and help you understand what's available and direct you to what we know is available in your town in your community. But we do not provide those services and we're not we do a referral, but it's not kind of it's not a clinical referral. Um, it's just a, a supportive referral, a recommendation as to where you can go with the needs that you present to us. And yes, we do do sort of like an intake where we'll ask you some questions to get a better idea of what you need, your location, so that we can better um, uh, direct you to the right services. We don't want we don't want you running around. So okay. we do ask some key questions. Um, we are also part of the National Suicide Lifeline, so you might get some questions about. We just want to make sure that you're safe. Um, make sure that those around you are safe. Um, so you may get some of those questions as well, but it's all with the goal. And we are HIPAA, the whole mm. confidentiality. We're HIPAA informed. We're trauma informed. So our approaches are very particular to making sure that we don't do any additional harm to you in our line of questioning via the phone. Um, but if you don't want to share that information as well, if you don't want to share name or anything like that, w- we could work with that too. Mm. You know, um, I'm reminded of of a story that I I, I came across uh, some time ago, and it was about you know someone who was just trying to take care of their lawn, and they saw that the grass was dying in their backyard. So this homeowner homeowner then called a landscaper to say, "Come take a look at my lawn." Landscaper came, they did some treatment. A couple weeks later, the lawn kept dying. Right, so the homeowner fired the landscaper, and only to have the same thing happen all over again. Oh. Now the third landscaper comes in, and before he did anything, knowing the history of what had happened to the, the previous two that had gotten fired from a landscaping job, he decided to test the soil. When he did, he found that the soil was contaminated by an oil tank that had been broken and was linking into the soil uh, and was killing. It was killing the grass. Yeah. And so what 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 that showed was is that uh, quite often the issues that we tend to focus on that are above the surface, all we're looking at is the, the grass dying, you know, right? But but what's happening below the surface is something that actually is killing the grass. Yeah. But we're ignoring it. And so I appreciate a service like what you have what you have uh, going on and, and what's happening in the state of New Jersey. That's free yeah. for people to, to just say, look, let's not just look at the grass. Let's not look at what everybody else sees. Let's, let's go below. Let's go below the surface. Yeah, at least let's consider that there is a below the surface. Mm, <laughs> love let's it. just consider, you know, you have your choice. You could decide to just kind of, you know, you could decide just to kind of continue to treat it. The grass on what you see on top or when you're tired enough, <laughs> yeah. you could make the investment and go deeper. Wow. Wow, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, what you know? What epiphany did you experience, and what new opportunity did you discover from that event during this process? Um, it, it, what epiphany? Um, like I said, one of the epiphanies was that you know, it, there's there's more than one route. There's one more than one route to do what it is that you want to do. Um, I, I think it, it, you know, I started off wanting to go to medicine, going to medical school, and now I'm doing a whole lot of the same thing. You know, not only in my, you know, in in my career now as a licensed professional counselor, you know, I have a private practice. I'm seeing clients on the side. You know, I see clients both here and internationally. 
you know, so it, it's, I'm, it's expanding, um, in terms of my, my, my reach, um, with my, with my, with my focus on helping people, not only am I helping individuals, I'm helping whole communities. Um, I do, I consider myself a, a community mental health consultant or a global mental health consultant. You know, I do a lot of work internationally where I do, um, trauma recovery work, um, with women in small villages throughout the world. Mm. Um, all of this coming from my desire to help people, um, and counseling provided that, uh, uh, that, that space for me to be able to do it, but not only on a one-on-one basis, but now I'm touching thousands of people and, and, mm. and, and I always wanted to work with women. I'm doing that. Um, mm. but I'm doing it through counseling. It's not medicine. Um, so there's many ways to get to, um, to accomplish your dreams. There's many ways to tap into or use that, which that you're passionate about. Um, and I'm always looking for those opportunities. Um, I run a nonprofit. I work with young women, um, in Haiti between the ages of 18 to 30, Mm. um, kind of doing the same thing, um, helping them navigate and identify, um, the opportunity, the many opportunities that, um, is, is before them. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, there's no one way to get to your dream or to accomplish, um, what it is that you want to accomplish. I think it's just being open to the process and, um, learning from it and, uh, and allowing yourself to learn mm. from it, mm. wow. allowing yourself to learn from it. Cause I, I could remember just resisting the direction that my life wanted to take because mm. it didn't match I wanted medical school. Right. And I tell you, I wrestled with this switch. I wrestled with it because number one, it, you know, I told everybody where I was going to medical school. Mm. <laughs> you know, if you come and if you come from a Caribbean family, you know, there's only three professions, you know, where I come from. It's either doctor, lawyer, or nurse, maybe engineer. <laughs> that, that's all they offer you. Uh, and here I am going into counseling. What is a counselor? So having explained wow. that culturally to my family, to my, you know, to those who, who are around me. Um, but I had to just trust that where I'm going. Um, that I was okay with it one. And I soon, I soon determined that, um, there was definitely ways for me to do the very same thing that I wanted to do in medicine, which was to help people. Mm. You know, in in the book, Dream Octane, um, that's, uh, I can't wait to get it out there. I I can't wait to read it. (laughs) (laughs) There is a section in there where I talk about, uh, the visible light. Right. And um, quite often I liken it to how we see what we want to do. Um, and the visible light, basically, although we may call it a white light inside of that visible light, what is invisible, but it's inside of it are actually the seven colors of the rainbow. The only way that you see that, though, is when the visible light is a prism and on the opposite end of the prism is where the rainbow gets formed. We see this after it rains because the water droplets become like a prism to the visible white light and it converts it into these uh, seven colors. Right? Wow, wow. And so what we don't see 
is inside of us right like so yeah. what the thing that is beautiful that that will say wow look at this promise that's up in the in, in the sky that's ribbon in the sky right um i, I kind of hear it happening in your situation where you saw medicine that was your visible white light that you yeah. saw but then you hit that prism that epiphany happened to you and and then what happens now you got the color of the rainbow stretching to haiti and everywhere else you know what and, and you know what and sometimes that prism um can come from, like you said, it could come from many other situations in life, right? Mm. You know, I think about the the rain hitting the ground, right? Yeah. I think about that first hit on the ground. I think mm. about um, traumatic events, right? Mm. So I'm, I'm a cancer patient, right? Wow. About um, 11 years ago, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. Mm. Um, apart from the little, the, the little, <laughs> you know, epiphany that happened to me from medicine to counseling. Um, I think counseling, um, my cancer diagnosis shifted, <laughs> it shifted so much for me. Um, mm. um, it, because it, it was such an intense ordeal. Um, it was a life threatening ordeal. Um, and coming mm. out of that, you know, treatment took about three years. Um, mm. And, you know, all throughout those three years, my prayer was that I would live. Mm. Right. And it's so much that happens in your mind when you go through life changing, life altering, uh, when you go through a disease like cancer. Um, and I can remember um, after one of my surgeries, um, one of my brothers brought a book to me and the book was called um why I think it's called Why Drown When You Can Walk on Water. Mm. And there was this one particular chapter where the author was talking about um, um, faith and ho- he was talking about hope. And he was talking about um, how um, faith is like a buoy. You know, mm. when we're lost or when we're trying to find our way, um, um, faith, our faith can ground us. Mm. And um, in grounding us, um, um, it now allows us to serve as a buoy kind of to mm. others who are going by. So as I'm being anchored by faith in the water, now as I'm extending myself, right? As I, I, I am extending myself by way of faith, people see that extension, right? Mm. And they receive it as hope. They see it as a hope line, <laughs> mm. right? Okay. And so I remember just seeing that analogy, and I could, and I could, and I'm a person of faith, and I can remember a voice, the voice of the Lord, I believe, just saying to me, Betty, in the same way that I have brought you hope. I want you to bring hope to others, Mm. right? In the same way that I have given you hope. And I think the hope that I know the hope that he was talking about, um, is that in the midst of my, my cancer ordeal, I, there were days when I wanted to lose hope, but I couldn't, I, I just felt like God just literally put life in me in the middle of a situation that was just it defied life. Wow. And I could wake, you know, despite everything that was going on in me, I just felt like there was more coming, although I wasn't living the more at the moment. Mm. But that's all I had to hold on to. And then I received this word that said, no, the same hope that I'm giving you, exactly what I instill, I put in you, I placed in you, 
I'm calling you to do it for others. Mm. And, and, and the voice said, yours is going to be called, your ministry will be called anchor of hope. Wow. And so, um, I say all that to say that out of my ordeal, out of this, um, this, this, this strong storm that came into my life, um, mm. and, 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 and hit the earth and, and caused this prison that you're talking of colors, um, this nonprofit that I have also came out of that ordeal, right? Um, where now I'm helping young women in a country that I'm not even in, wow. right? I'm helping them. I'm coming alongside of them. Um, I am um, assisting them in their in their difficult spaces um, mm. in ways that I would never have been able to had I not gone through my storm. Had the rain wow. not flooded my life, um, and the rain flooded my life, it was an actual storm in my life. And out of that, um, I see the rainbow as the faces of every single young woman, every older mm. woman that I get to meet and touch. Um, they are the rainbows that I see every day. Wow. Um, they 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 color my life. Um, and they make it all worthwhile. They make the whole journey. They're trying to figure it out. It, they make it all worthwhile. Mm. Well, you know, as you're talking, you know, the one truth about uh, having a rain- rainbow form is uh, my encouragement to you is to keep shining. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Keep shining. Yes. Baby. <laughs> yes. All yes. right. So the very next section we can talk about right here is uh, it's called your niche. And so there are five key questions that I believe um, or what make up people niche or uh, niches. Right. And so the first one is what are your passions? What are your strong interests? The second is purposeful. What do you do that feels meaningful to you the third is patterns what do you do naturally well the fourth is proficient or proficiency and these are the activities that we've learned to do well over time and the last one is problem solvers what challenges have you been able to correct in a unique way right so i go back up to the very top and ask you what are your passions what do you do that you say i have a strong interest or drive to do this one particular thing yeah. Um, I have a passion to um, give people voice or advocate for people or, or, or and give people voice. Mm. Um, I have a passion to see people. Um, I have a passion. I, 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 I'm drawn to the underdog. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm drawn to those who can't. Um, I'm drawn to those who everyone would count out. So my passion is to see those who are counted out win. Wow. Wow. That's great. Uh, what do you do that feels purposeful? What do you do that when you do it, you say, you know, I feel like I was, I was made for this moment. Um, counseling people. Okay. Listening to people and counseling people, uh, and when I say counseling, and a lot of times people hear counseling, they hear advice giving. That's not what counseling is. Hmm. Um, I didn't go to school to learn how to give people advice. Okay, <laughs> that's not what I do. Counseling is not about that. Um, it's about like um, sharing space with people, uh, giving voice to people. Um, sh- um, you know, I-, I call it the ministry of presence. Hmm. You know, and, and, and that is a skill. It's a gift and a skill to be able to do that because it requires you to be fully invested in the other person and to really want to hear, hear them 
and your your joy is to see them hear themselves and hear them become acquainted with themselves um, and that just brings me utter satisfaction mm. to be present for people what do you do naturally well what are your patterns what do I do naturally well um I think naturally, you know, I am a people person. Now I say that, let me say, let me say this. I am a, I love people, but I'm very much an introvert. Mm. I'm very much an introvert. Uh, and they say, if you're introvert, um, they say that if you're introvert, um, um, you don't draw your, you don't, you draw your, you, you give out as you give out so much that you need time away in order to replenish. Whereas extrovert, um, you know, they get their strength, their energy, they're motivated by being a lot of, around lots of people. It's opposite for me. Mm. I think I give so much of myself, um, that I need to replenish in order to get back to people. So as much as I love people, um, there's a balance so that I could be as effective for people as I need to be. And when I say that, I'm not only talking about in a professional setting, but even personally, um, so that I could be the best sister or best friend. You know, I really, um, I do commit to being a better, um, um, people person by taking care of myself. If that makes sense. So, um, so I do, I do people well. I, I connect with people well. Um, um, I don't judge people. I try not mm. to, you mm. know, I, like my Angela has a, something that she says, when somebody shows you who they are, believe, believe. them. Mm. And sometimes people take that in a negative way, but right. I don't, you know, if you show me who you are, I receive that. It doesn't mean that right. that's who you'll always be, but at that moment, I fully embrace you in that space where you're at, right? Um, and we just we just kick it from there, and we keep it moving, right? And I'm okay, I'm okay with it. Um, and I think that's very liberating. The other part of that is I, I'm also uh, my focus is working on children. My specialty is working with children, and one of the things that working with children has taught me, Cliff, is that you must accept children where they are. Children won't change for you, right? It's either you decide to enter a child's world in order to mm. understand them or they drive you crazy. Yeah. With you trying <laughs> to pull them into your adult world. Yeah. And so that working with children has taught me a lot about just accepting people where they are at the moment. Um, it doesn't define, it doesn't mean that's where they always be. That's just where they are. And just learning to connect with people in a genuine way. Like, you're good. Like you're good. Mm. Just who you are. You don't have to change for me. I'm okay with who you are. Uh, and, and let's just flow from here. <laughs> I could I could relate to that 100 percent because my four year old. I was outside the other day, mowed the lawn, and there's a wooded area in the back. Right, I just do not want to go in back there because mm-hmm. I'm just paranoid of whatever foxes, snakes, whatever back there. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so as she was running back there ahead of me, and I'm I'm on the the, the side of my my the property where my lawn is. Mm-hmm. She's going to the back. And I'm like, I'm like, Chelsea, get, get from over there. Get, come on, come over onto this side. So she stops and she looks at me, the four year old. Uh-huh. And she says to me, Daddy, that's not how you talk to a lady. <laughs> <laughs> 
I looked at her. I said, oh, I had to wow. turn around and said, wait a minute. Wait. You, are you four or 40? <laughs> I, so, so, so now she has to teach you how do you speak to a four-year-old lady. <laughs> you speak to a four-year-old lady. Four-year-old lady. Oh, she'll cross-check you in a minute, boy. What? But uh, that's a big up to Princess Chelsea. Um, <laughs> Chelsea now, now, <laughs> now, she's inviting you into her world. Yeah. You can fuss with that all you want. Um, but she's trying to speak to you. She's trying to tell you something. And yeah. though you may interpret it as her going on 40, she's really telling you, Daddy, I'm, I'm my view of the world, what you're teaching me, I'm using it. Come on my side and see how I would want you to speak with me. Mm, I love it. I can learn that lesson for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Proficiency. What do you do? Uh, what do you what have you learned to do well over time? So this is the opposite side of the pattern coin. The pattern is about what you do well Mm -hmm. and proficiency is what you've learned to do well over time. And so Mm -hmm. this is like something that you may have done. You may have been a pattern, but then you started to refine it over time. And now you actually are better at it than when you first started doing it. Yeah. Um, I think managing my time. Okay. Prioritizing my time Mm -hmm. rather. Um, I think that's something that I'm constantly doing. Um, you know, I have lots of skills and gifts and talents. You know, I could tap my head and rub my tummy really well at this stage (laughs) in my life. All right. Um, and and, uh, with doing a lot of other things, um, um, but prioritizing my time. Okay. It's something that I'm learning to do better and better every day. Um, as much as um, I want to be present for people, how do you do that? When do you do that? Um, on top of all the other things that I enjoy doing, um, prioritizing my time, I'd say is something that I have learned to do better. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, I, I enjoy doing better because it allows it lets me do more of the things that I want to do. Um, instead of spreading myself so thin and it, it empowers me to let go of some things that I equally like to do, but I can't do everything at the same time. Right. Mm. Um, so prioritizing my time, um, you know, helps me just to hone in on one thing and do it well. And I feel a lot more successful yeah. at the end of a day, um, because I'm able to, and I don't know, time, not manage my time, but prioritize my time. Because mm. I could fill up my schedule in a minute, Cliff. <laughs> I would imagine. I can. Yeah. I can. But prioritizing what's 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 the most important today? Mm. Um, what is it that you want to focus on today? And and then just moving everything accordingly. Mm. It reminds me of King David, right? In Psalm 90, verse 12, I believe he says, Lord, teach me to number, number my, my days, days that I may apply my heart to wisdom. To wisdom. Yeah. And it's, it's so true when it comes when it speak, really speaks to the essence of prioritizing. The last question I have you in the niche section is what problems do people come to you to solve? Relationships. Mm. Uh, and uh, it's across the board, you know, not only intimate relationships, but I find that, um, yeah, people come to me a lot about relationships, not only about the other individual, but mm-hmm. support for them. How, you know, how can they be a, a better relationship partner? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I use the opportunity. I use the opportunity, the relationship they have with me as a way to kind of 
or any healthy relationship that they have. Um, I use healthy relationships as a benchmark to help them identify ways to be better in the relationships where they're having difficulties. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So relationships is one of the topics, issues, I think overall that people come to me with. And I think it's, again, it's because, you know, I, my goal in life is to be, um, is, is to help people. You know, I think of the scripture, um, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. That's, if I could sum up my life, it'd be in that scripture. You know, for mm. as much as I love the Lord, I, I love God, um, but you gotta love people. Yeah. And in order to love people, you gotta love yourself. Mm. Um, you know, so it's kind of this, this, this circle that I'm, mm. we're constantly in where it, where it all matters. I think people see that when you live like that, mm. you know, they see you as someone who is healthy and balanced and somebody who is, um, authentically doing this thing called life, right? Authentically mm. wanting to connect and people are looking for that. You know, people are looking for people who are just really just genuine and and with themselves, authentic in themselves. People are looking for people who are comfortable in their own skin. Mm. They're looking for people who are, you know, not trying to be what you're not. And I'm not saying I'm all of those things, but I I can say that I strive toward those things every day. And people Mm. respond to that, I feel. Mm. Um, And um, and and, and and if my striving can... Attract people If my striving Could support people In any way I'm all for it That's good Mm. That's a good thing That's a good Mm. thing So people do come to me A lot for that For relationships I appreciate you sharing that part portion of the section and um, I, I really admire it and I'm very grateful for the fact that you have come on this show, this episode, uh, to give voice the, to the importance of giving voice to the things that are going on in our lives. And um, this very next section or last session that we have is about your secrets. And so um, what one secret would you offer your pre-niche self or your younger self when you first got started several years ago, right? That would help that pre-niche Betty to get uh, from where she currently is at that moment in time in your past to where you are now. Huh. One secret. Ah. Keep moving. Mm. Keep keep moving. Keep it moving. Mm. Um. Because I mean, yeah. It, when I first started, I was much younger. I, I certainly didn't know what I know now. Um, and there were times when discouragement, depression, lack of confidence, uh, when those things would keep me from moving. Mm. You know, and there, I can remember times, moments, seasons where I just wanted to stop. And I caught myself maybe stopping so that I can reassess, right? Mm. That doesn't always work for me. And I think there's danger sometimes in stopping because if you stop, you stop so many other things. You stop momentum. You stop other opportunities. You you stop 
whatever the quote unquote universe is primarily trying to gel together. Mm. There's forces that are beyond you that are at work. Um, and I, I can remember at times just wanting to stop and I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I kept moving, even though all the pieces weren't lining up the way that I wanted to, because that's why I was getting discouraged. Mm. You know, somebody lied and said that when you go to college, um, you come out with a career. I didn't, I didn't know that they were lying to me. <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't happen like that for all of us. Right. Many of us, we have to get the degree and the degree is not the future. It's what you do with it. Mm. Right. It, it's, it's how you, how you cultivate it. You make that degree work for yourself, but I didn't understand that. And so my struggle in trying to get it, you know, get into medical school and all of that just really crushed my spirit crushed the joy that I had about where I was going. Um, but my key was, I realized, and, and, and I still use it to this day is, um, keep it moving, mm. keep moving. Um, you won't discover anything if you don't move. Mm, I love it. You know, um, Jewish philosopher Maimonides actually said in the 11th century, he said the risk of wrong decision is preferable to the terror of indecision. And so right here in your keep moving uh, quote is it's better to keep moving and make a mistake than to stop and not have anything happen to you. Well, you can't make a mistake. You can't do anything because you're, right. <laughs> you're not doing anything. Um, but there's so much more to discover. Um, as you're moving, I think there's right. life throws so many other opportunities, new ideas, new mm. concepts, new experiences that just expand you. You could grow even in your period of discovery. Wow. Like wow. you may not know the end, but you're discovering, you're learning, you're gaining some things, um, and you're becoming weightier. You're, be, you're, you're becoming more knowledgeable, even though you may not be clear as to the end point. But you mm. just keep moving. There's people that God could put along your path um, that could that could come in right in time. And, and I was sharing with you earlier. At one point, I remember you you texted me one time, <laughs> and you sent me a specific scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can remember till this day. I can remember that particular scripture that you sent me. I don't know why you sent it. It was out the blue. Um, but it most likely was during those moments. But I felt like I was just going to stop and take a break. Wow! Uh, stop! Stop moving! And mm. when you sent me the when you sent me the text, that was it forced me to just get back up or keep moving at that point. Mm. Um, and it, it it was you know that's it's just an example of um, keep moving, don't stop moving. Whatever you do, stay the course, even mm. though it doesn't make sense. Stay the course. Wow! Yeah. Well, you know, the last two questions that I have for you actually takes that same statement and puts it into a different frame. Right. And so the question that I ask you now is, how do you know when it's time to um, to stop versus staying focused on your goal? How do you know when it's time to stop and to refocus on your goals? Um, That's a good question. How do I know when to stop and refocus on my goals? Um, I think whenever, if I come against any kind of challenge, Mm. if I come against any wall, if I come against any um, difficulty, and I'm still learning, um, 
And, you know, I spoke to you again about my past of wanting what I wanted when I wanted. I wanted medical school. I didn't want to go anywhere else. Um, but staying the course, um, how do I know when to stop when I hit those walls, when I hit those Mm. challenges, I think sometimes it's, it's an opportunity for me to look at something in a different way. Mm. Um, and so I have the opportunity at that point. That's when I think it's okay to stop, not to stop to reassess. When I used to stop and reassess, I would stop and be depressed. Mm. Um, but stop to, um, um, to refuel, stop to get more information, stop to take a look at what you've accomplished so far, so far, mm. right? That that's, that's important in the journey too, you know, mm. not just go, 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 but there's times where you have to literally stop to look at what you've created. Like any artist, right? Mm. Stop, take a step back and look at what have you done thus far. Um, and I think throughout my career as a counselor, I've, I, I did a lot of that because that wasn't the, the direction necessarily, necessarily that I need, I want, I was planning to go. Um, but it, it, it came and it felt right. Um, so there were very different periods where I had to stop, you know, you know, I, I, I finished getting my master's. I stopped, I stopped to assess where now do I want to make my niche? I, you know, mm. and I started working with children and I realized, or I stopped to, to, I stopped at that point to see, to assess my work as a child clinician. Um, and then I realized that mm, I, I may need to do more work with families if I'm working Mm. with kids. So, you know, I did that work and I stopped to look at the extent of the work that I'm doing with families and children. And then I realized there's some issues that goes on. There's some trauma that's affecting families, things that I couldn't pinpoint that I had to now go back and learn some more. I did some work in the trauma and family and children. Um, and, and I stopped again, um, to kind of look at the whole tapestry and realize, wow, families are struggling in more ways than I thought. Um, how is the world dealing with this? Mm. How are families throughout the world dealing with this? And that gave me an opportunity to kind of assess and kind of see what's going on across the globe. Mm. Right. And so my stopping in this particular way allowed me, allowed my dream, my passions, my vision to expand. Mm. And now I, I can't help but to see the world from a global perspective, like to see my life in, in the global context, like whatever mm. I do now, I see it. Um, how does it impact the world? How does it uh, impact larger communities? So stopping for me at every point in my life where I've stopped, um, it has allowed me to step back and like an artist, look at the canvas and look at the whole canvas and see what I've what I've accomplished what I've created and on the flip side, what has not yet been addressed. Mm. I love it. Um, what action items, last question that I have for you, what action item would you give to the audience right now to help them to discover their niche? Um, action items to discover your niche. These are some good questions, boy. <laughs> and, and, and they're, and they're good. They're, they're good questions because, um, you know, until we die, we're, we're, we're constantly discovering, mm. 
you know, you know, I, and even in my profession, I, I don't, I'm not saying that my, I'm, I'll be a licensed professional counsel all my life. Um, but I'm on route to something, mm. <laughs> something even greater. Wow. Um, but right now I'm t- t- fully taking it in. Um, what would I tell people about, um, finding their, what's the question again? I'm sorry. Finding, uh, what action item would what you get? Action item? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, Discover and pinpoint the things that you do well, mm. the things that you enjoy. Um, and, and depending on how you grew up, like, like I was saying earlier, culturally, um, we were given the professions that mm. we were supposed to do. You know, never mind what your gifts and your talents and what your passion, what passion was. That was never discussed. But I think number one, um, identifying what is it that you're good at gifts, talents, skills, um, and, um, and using that as your brush, Mm. using that as your brush, because your gifts, your talents, your skills, they will walk with you no matter what you do in life. They Mm. will be what assists you. They will be what the tool that you use, no matter what the job that you wind up doing. So I think it's important that you identify skills, talents, gifts, and you could do that through your friends, through people that are around you. Um, just listening to what they have to say about you. Um, and, um, that's one, um, to be honest about what you discover, Mm. like don't run away from what it is that, um, is your skill, your gift and your talent. So one is no identifying them, seeing them, being aware of them. I think the next part, and I'm just speaking from my own journey. Yeah. The next part I think is just, um, owning it, mm. owning it, making it yours, um, making it yours and unapologetically doing whatever it is that you feel passionate about. Um, not allowing other people to qualify whatever it is your gift or your talent is. Mm. Now, there are times where people will, you know, you need that, you know, the validation from people that can say, wow, you know, that work that you did or, you know, that singing or that dancing that really, you know, I love seeing it, that encouraged me. But there's, you also need to qualify for yourself and say, wow, when I cook, I really feel good. Mm, you know, right. when I, um, when I paint, that just brings life to me. Right. You know, and sometimes, you know, depending on how you grow up, that's not focused on about what you want. Mm. Uh, but it's so important that at least you do that part of just being okay with what satisfies you, what brings you pleasure, what brings you joy, what brings Mm. you shalom, Mm. like being okay to kind of say that brings me shalom. That makes me feel good. Um, Mm. and I think at that point you'll be in a better place now to, um, identify the many ways that you can apply your gifts, your talents, your skills. Um, cause once you are okay with it, um, I think the world is, the world is, is yours. Mm. Uh, you could be anything and, and, and still be true and authentic, true to who you are and live the life that you want to live. Um, thirdly, 
pour out to others. Mm. Whatever you do, make sure that there's elements of it where you're pouring and giving to others. Because mm. mm. that's the only way you get replenished. Yeah. And you get refilled again. Greater creativity happens for you. Mm. Uh, and I can't tell you how many times after I pour out myself to pour out to others all these ideas hit me now like mm. now I'm re- you know like um I'm, I'm reconsidering things i did before how can i do it differently and you mm. know new ideas come because i'm pouring out so i think thirdly i would say definitely whatever you do whatever you own find ways for you to now pour into other people, whether it be through mentoring, whether it be through teaching, whether it be through volunteering, whether it be to sharing your resources, but find ways to pour um, into other people. Cause I tell you, that brings me so much life. Mm. That brings so much create more creative energy for me um, to give out to other people. Um, and mm. if I was to give a last one, um, is there a last? Write a book. Mm. I love it. <laughs> Write a book. Yeah. Write a book. You know, as you're talking, <laughs> that's 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 where I'm at right now. When I and I, when I say write a book. I'm talking about legacy. Yeah. You know, being sure of what you're leaving behind. Wow. Because there's people coming behind you. Yeah. <laughs> there's people coming up. Um, what are you leaving behind for the generation to come? You know, or in my in my particular you know, where I'm at as a counselor, right now I'm working on my PhD in counseling. Mm. And to me, that's a legacy work. Mm. How so? I'm preparing the next gen. I want to prepare the next generation of counselors. Wow. I want to share what I know. Not that mm. I, I know everything yet. I have a lot more to learn, right? Um, but I, I, I'm already thinking, what am I leave? Behind? What am I going to leave behind? How, mm. how how do I want to leave the counseling field when I'm done? How how do I want to leave the helping profession when I leave? How, mm. how, how do I want to leave um, my walk of faith for those who are coming up? And we talk about the Davids of the Bible. We talk about the mm. Esthers. We talk about, mm. you know, all the giants of the faith. You know, I, how will I be seen as a giant in the faith? I want to be mm. a giant in the faith, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm thinking legacy. Yeah, book writing mm. is part of it. But mm. um, what am I leaving behind, essentially? You know, mm. if I were to, and I think my journey with cancer definitely taught me that. Like, there were mm. days I was, I thought about my life. I didn't do everything I needed to do yet. Like, God, I can't die. Like, there's so much more mm. I want to do. Mm. I was already thinking at my funeral, what do I want people to say? When people leave my funeral, what feeling do I want them to leave out with? Like, what memory mm. do, I, do I want them to have of me and in my life and of my life's work? Um, mm. So the last part is write a book. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, there's so much, man. I, my mind is on fire right now with different things that I want to just uh, share. I share with one, just with the last point that you're making right now. Um, and it reminds me of Alfred Nobel. 
um, several, uh, this, uh, this is a while. This is back in the day, right? This is, uh, I want to say like late 1800s or 1900s rather. He was known as someone who, uh, helped to bring dynamite to the industrial, helped to usher in the industrial revolution, right? And so he made dynamite. Well, one day, and he was wildly successful because people were able to blow up in mountains and, and lay railroad tracks. Like he, he changed the game. Well, one day he woke up and he read the paper and he saw in the obituary section that he um, uh, his name was there. Alfred Nobel died on this day. Well, what they did was is they mixed up Alfred Nobel with his brother who actually did die. Ah. But the thing that got his attention was how they classified him in the paper. They called him the merchant of death. And he said, that's not who I am. I, I know I created I created dynamite, but I don't want to be known. I don't want to be remembered as the yeah. merchant of death, right? And so here's what he established. He's the one that established the Nobel Peace Prize. He's the one that says, when I die, I want all of this money I made off of dynamite to go into sciences, whoever excel at science, engineering, medicine. I want them to receive it. And so to this day, he decided to rewrite his legacy and i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate what you share right now because that just dropped in my spirit like yes, yes. alfred novell did it and if he could do it so can we we so can rewrite our legacy yes. oh, I <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so listen we could definitely chat it up you know me and you we already go back way back if way we talk back. for a minute but I just want to enjoy, you know, I enjoy talking to you. Obviously, you know, um, this has been such a rewarding experience. I feel not only for me, but also for the listeners. The number that you share, can you share it one more time for those people who are struggling with mental health and want to get a number? Yeah, sure. The number for the New Jersey Mental Health Cares is one 202 4357 again it's 1-866-202-HELP um, and if you want to speak to me personally you could always call that line as well if you if any of the staff can direct you to me um, but again Cliff this was amazing um, <laughs> look I don't know what you do you just did something here today this is such a powerful morning for me just to be able Amen. to kind of um, visit some of these questions and yeah. um, this was my stopping Mm. All right. Yeah. Well, look, we gonna we gonna keep moving forward and offline. We'll talk about a couple of things. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get in contact with me or or think find out things that we're doing with the book and also with the the podcast, you can you can log on to dreamoctane.org, uh, where we have the latest and greatest things that we feel that can add value to you. So we thank you for tuning into this episode today. We want to thank Betty Jean for being part of this program, and we want to encourage not only her but also you. Keep shining. <laughs> I will. I feel the shine. All right. <laughs> Keep shining. And we'll look forward to having you on the very next episode. Thanks Thank again. you.